Welcome to Practical Christian Living. My job is to equip you so that you guys go out and do the work of the ministry. You're the ones called to do it. My job, and this is important for me to see it this way, is as one who trains. I am training you, handling the Word of God, equipping you so that you guys can go out and do the work you're supposed to do. Some pastors and church leaders can easily forget what their real job is. God has called them to be servants and to equip those in the church, in their flock. Today on Practical Christian Living, we look at some of the very basic and essential responsibilities of leaders as written from the Apostle Paul to the young church leader, Timothy. We're in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 25. Stay with us. Here comes Robert Furrow. This is our, one of our last studies in the book of 1 Timothy. We are covering the rest of five today, and then we have two more studies, and we'll be done. Once we're done with that, we're going to go into the life of Joseph in a series entitled Integrity. I'm excited about it. But when we began our study in the book of 1 Timothy, we saw that God has called us as the church and given us the glorious gospel, as Paul calls it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we are charged to take that gospel with us to a lost and perishing world. That when we talk about the church, we're not talking about buildings. I'm so thankful for the, both the East and the West campus that the Lord has provided for us. But when we talk about the church, we're not talking about the buildings, we're talking about you. You are the church and our job in the church is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Because the way that God decided that he was going to reach the world was through individuals within the church. So that God empowers you, he appoints you, he anoints you, and he sends you out to the world like salt and like light. This building is like a salt shaker. We're all crushed up together by each other here. We're equipped by God. And then in about 35 minutes, maybe 35, seven minutes. We're going to be dismissed from this place. And like a salt shaker, we're going to be shaken onto this city. Now, we're not the only church that does this. God has provided many different lights in this city, many different churches. We're certainly not one of those that believe that we're the only true church in Tucson. There are plenty of churches like that. But we believe that we're only a part of what God's doing here in Tucson. And that's good because we're never going to be able to reach everybody in this city. God needs to do something much larger than what he's doing with us. But we have the privilege of being a part of it. Now, if Jesus established the church and if Jesus told us that we were going to be successful, Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it which tells us that if we do what we're supposed to do with the keys to the kingdom, we are going to be successful. And God has raised up leaders within the church. The interesting thing about leaders within the church is that we who are leaders are not called to lord over people or as some pastors think that the people in their church are there to support their ministries. You guys are not here as a part of this church to support my ministry. I'm here to support yours. My job is to equip you. The Bible says that the job of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You guys are, are saints. Everyone who's been born again, who's given their life to Christ, is sanctified and set apart. Saint Robert Furrow. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> Some of you guys need to call your mom tonight and say, Mom, I made it. I'm a saint. 
when you give your life to Christ. And then my job is to equip you so that you guys go out and do the work of the ministry. You're the ones called to do it. My job, and this is important for me to see it this way, is as one who trains. I am training you, handling the Word of God, equipping you so that you guys can go out and do the work you're supposed to do. And God is so gracious to allow me to stand next to you and minister as well. I get to be shaken out of this building as well. So that really, in reality, we stand shoulder to shoulder in the work that God has called us to do. I go out and do what God's called me to do. You do what God's called you to do. We all have different races to run, but we gather together here so that we can be equipped. Now, for those leaders in the church, which Jesus said, those of you who want to rule in the church need to learn to be the servants of all. For those leaders in the church, he's given us this passage that we're studying today so we would know how to treat pastors and what to expect from them, by the way. This is a, uh, it's an interesting passage. I think that we're going to cover a lot of information that maybe you didn't know. Maybe it's important for you to know. I, um, I was talking to my wife on the way over to this service and she had listened to the last service and here's how she answered the phone. I saw it was her. I said, hi, baby. And she said, blah, 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 blah. I said, that's not very encouraging. And she said, well, you know what? I know all this stuff and we all know all this stuff, but there's a lot of people who don't. So it's good to cover it. So I want to talk to you today about the position of a pastor, of elders, how we're supposed to treat them and how we handle those that fall into sin. That's what our text talks about. So let's start with elders. It's important for us to understand how we at Calvary Chapel use elders. Other churches may use them differently, but this is the way that we believe the Bible established them and that they are to be used. All right. An elder is someone who is mature in the things of God. The word in the Greek for elder is presbytos. We get the word presbytery from it, but it simply means someone who is older. If I say, if we take it out of a spiritual realm and say an elder of Tucson or an elder in Tucson, we're simply saying someone that's been here for a while that understands the things about Tucson. They would be a, that's kind of a secular way of saying an elder in Tucson. An elder in the church is someone that's been here for a while. They've proven their love to the body by ministering to it. We've identified that, seen them, given them a position, and they are mature in the Lord. They know how to teach. They handle the word of God well. They handle their own homes well. These are guys that we raise up into the position of an elder. They don't have to be old. They could be young, but they need to be well-versed in the word of God. We've got several pastors on our staff that are still in their 20s. These guys are not old by any means, but each of these guys that are on our staff in their 20s, each of these guys who are pastors on our staff in their 20s are guys that know the Word of God really well, and I would not hesitate to give them the pulpit to come up and share it with you because these guys are mature in the things of God even though they're young. Now, an elder is, uh, there are a group of elders at our church, probably around 40 of them between both campuses. A pastor is an elder, so our pastors are considered to be elders, but you can be an elder without being a pastor. An elder is someone that we have identified, recognized, and given that position. An elder who is not a pastor in our church has three, respons three main responsibilities. Number one, we ask them to come up and make themselves available after church services to pray with you guys and to give you biblical instruction. So if you have questions about the Bible or questions about what you should do, you can always come up and talk to one of the elders. 
We make these guys wear their name tags, not so they can brag, yes, I am a pastor, yes, I am an elder, but so that you can identify them. And in fact, when they come up not wearing them, I mock them to make them wear them. I point them out, make them raise their hand and do a dance. It's a funny thing to see, but it's great. <laughs> now, um, so they make themselves available for you after services. Number two, elders will go and pray for you, anoint you with oil and pray for you. Bible says in the book of James that if you're sick, call for the elders of the church and they'll anoint you with oil and pray for you. You could come up after a service and we could pray for you, but you could also call the church office and say, hey, we need some of the elders to come and pray for us. We'll come to your house and we'll anoint you with oil and pray for you. Or we'll go to the, the hospital and anoint you with oil and pray for you. It's important for you to understand that God does heal. God does miraculous things. God also uses medicine. And sometimes God takes people home. Whatever the case is, when we're facing a medical crisis in our lives, we want God's fingerprints all over it, don't we? It's important to anoint them with oil. When I found out that my wife had cancer, we brought her in and we anointed her with oil and we prayed for her. And I think that's important for us to do. And the elders are there for that, all right? Now, they also are involved in church discipline. Every so often, there's a situation that arises in the church of someone in the church who's doing something they shouldn't do or treating someone the way they shouldn't be treating them. And we need to be involved in that. Doesn't happen a lot, once or twice a year. Now, after I say that, we'll have a rash of them. We'll get like 10 of them this year or something. Uh, but it happens a couple times a year. And we ask the elders, three of them, usually two or three, but usually three, to gather together and to deal with it. The goal is always restoration. We always want to be full of grace and full of love. We want to be tender, but we want to be firm and we want to see them come fully back to Christ. And if we ever ask anybody to leave the church, which happens, then we ask them to leave that we might restore them. That's the goal. We come to the place where we say, no longer can we allow you to be here doing what you do or with that particular sinful attitude. And so we're going to have to ask you to leave. These are extreme cases. So right now you're thinking, well, what constitutes being asked to leave? <laughs> Am I along one of those lines? They're extreme cases, but they do need to be handled with care and we want godly men to handle them. Now also, elders are pastors. Every one of our pastors on staff are, are elders, even if they're the young guys, and we got a slew of young guys that we have as pastors. They're elders as well. They can do all the things that elders do. They're mature in the Lord. And then I would also be considered an elder among them as well, because pastors are. All right. So there's just a basic, quick overview of what elders are. You guys know everything that you need to know about elders. Aren't you happy? All right, let's get out of here. No, let's cover our text. Now that we have that understanding, let's consider what it says about the way we treat elders and how we treat elders when they fall into sin. Verse uh, 17 of chapter 5 of 1 Timothy. He says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Notice that he doesn't say, Let the elders who rule be counted worthy of double honor. But let those who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. It doesn't mean we put them up on a pedestal. It doesn't mean that when we see them, we go, ooh, elder so-and-so. It means that we have a respect for what they're doing, that we understand their authority within the church and we have a respect for what they're doing. And then it says, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Now that would be at our church, that would be me, some of the other pastors that share teaching duties, some of the elders that teach in different places. Most churches have senior pastors. 
I'm called a senior pastor. Now, churches are beginning to do some different things now. I had one guy tell me that he didn't think that a senior pastor was a biblical idea. So instead they have a lead pastor, which was funny because I said, is that any more biblical? <laughs> I mean, isn't the, your lead pastor just a senior pastor? It's the same thing. You're just calling him something else. Some churches have what they call a teaching pastor. They have their pastors, then they have their teaching pastor. Whether you want to call him a teaching pastor, a lead pastor, a senior pastor, you usually have a pastor in the church that is leading the church. It's important that that guy, whoever he is, in the case of our church, it's me, that he has a group of men that surround him that he is accountable to. Never do you want there to be a pyramid style of leadership where you've got a guy on the top and he doesn't answer to anybody. That is a recipe for disaster. Churches that have a pyramid style of leadership, whatever it is, and there's a lot of different styles that can end up in a pyramid, will always have problems. So we have a group of men, whom are elders as well, that I surround myself with. These are men that I've asked to be on a board. We call them the board of directors. And let's just say that I treat you in a way that's not right. Let's just say I treat you unfairly. And you don't know what to do. You've come to me and I've blown you off. I've just said, ah, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I just don't talk to you. So what do you do? Well, you could call the church office and you could say to the secretary, I, I want to get a message to one of our board of directors. Can you have one of them call me back? And they'll call you back. And then you can say, Robert's ignoring me. Or, or if there's some sin in my life, you can call and you can talk to them about the sin. Now, you probably don't want to call and tell them that you saw me going two miles over the speed limit. You probably don't want to call and tell them that, you know, you don't want to be petty, right? You don't want to be petty. But if there is a major sin in my life, or if you see a major error in my life, there needs to be some kind of recourse to where you can biblically first approach me, because that's what the Bible says to do, right? Biblically first approach me and then talk to someone that I am under their authority. So there's a group of people at our church that I'm under their authority. However, for those that are teaching in the word, they need to be given double honor. Why? Because if you get petty, let's just say you start just getting petty and you talk to people around you about, did you hear Robert say that? The Bible says that if a man doesn't stumble in his speech, he's a perfect man. And I'll admit to you, I'm not perfect. And if you think I'm perfect, talk to my children, talk to my wife. You'll find out quickly that I'm not. Um, anybody in here perfect, by the way? Just wondering, anybody here perfect? Well, we know no one's perfect but Jesus, right? And so you're always going to have things that are wrong. You're always going to have stuff that is not right, but you don't want to be petty. And so if you're petty and you start, have you ever been involved in a church where petty things start getting said about the pastor? You know what happens? Those things start to get said. They circulate as rumors. And now people that used to be excited about going and studying the word, used to open up their Bible with excitement to receive from God. Now they don't receive from him anymore. The vessel that God's now using in that church becomes tainted when he's not treated properly. When there's a lot of petty stuff that's pointed out. We had a guy come up to me after a service a couple of years ago now. And uh, he said to me, I go to a different church here in town and I, I, I wanted to find out if you could help me to know what to do because my pastor is full of sin and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, first you got to go to him. And he said, well, I've done that. And he blew me off. That's where I got the blow off thing. Um, and I said, well, then you should go to the board of directors there. I said, who does he answer to? What's your church structure? There's got to be some men that he has to answer to, whether it's in his denomination or whether it's there within the church. And he said, I've already done that. And so finally I said, give me an example. 
what is your pastor doing that's sin that disqualifies him from being your pastor anymore? And he said, well, I had an appointment with him after church. For one, for one example, he said, I had an appointment with him after service on Sunday. And when I got there, I saw him driving away. So he just didn't go to that appointment. And I said, have you ever forgotten an appointment? Have you ever had something else come up where you couldn't make an appointment? Or maybe this pastor just saw that guy coming and said, I'm out of here. And he left. <laughs> but in reality, I said to him, listen, even if he did see you coming and, and go, I don't want to talk to him and left, that does not disqualify him from being a pastor. And he said, well, doesn't a pastor have to be a man of his own word? And if he gives his word, doesn't he need to keep it? Yes, yes, yes. But you want to look at things that are petty and things that are significant. And you can pile a bunch of petty stuff up to make it look big. You can take a bunch of petty things and you can make a huge case against somebody and say they should not do that. But are you treating them fairly when you're doing that? And could it be with all these petty things you're talking about, you're undermining the work of this guy called by God, appointed and anointed there? Now, having said that, you as a senior pastor or as a pastor that maybe find yourself under attack, and that happens. If you're a pastor, one thing that you're going to learn is that sheep attack. And a sheep attack can sometimes be brutal. They have flat teeth, but they pinch. It hurts. <laughs> it happens. And when you're attacked by someone, when someone begins to give false accusations or petty accusations, again, they may be true, but they're petty, petty accusations against you, one of the things that you're tempted to do is to attack them back. Don't ever do it. Allow God to be the one to deal with it. Allow God to be able to handle it. God can do it. And don't ever say this. You're not supposed to touch God's anointed. That never looks good coming from a pastor's mouth, okay? There's never a good feeling with that. Never do you, should you say, I'm the pastor and you guys need to give me double honor. You know what that's like? When a pastor begins to demand respect from his people, first of all, he's done. When you have to demand respect because of your position, you no longer have respect. I say this to husbands as well. When a husband says to his wife, you're supposed to obey me. Now you're done, all right? Your role as a leader in your family is finished because you're not really leading anymore. And the same thing is true with the pastor. If a pastor has to stand up and say, you guys need to listen to me, you're done. Put a fork in yourself. Go on and do something else because you've lost the respect of your people. It's like when you're marriage counseling and the woman comes in and she knows all the passages that talk about what the husband's supposed to do. And then the husband gives you all the passages about what the wife's supposed to do. It seems that neither of them know what they're supposed to do, but they know what the other person's supposed to do. A lot of times pastors know how the body's supposed to treat them or the body knows how a pastor's supposed to act but we don't know how it is that we're supposed to act with each other. So if there is sin that is not severe, then we give some grace, don't we? Because we want grace. We don't want to be judged on those same levels. If the guy who was judging this guy because he missed an appointment with him, do you want to be judged on every appointment that you miss? Do you want it to be said of you that if you miss an appointment that you're ungodly and that you're unfit for ministry? So we just want to treat someone the way that we want to be treated. We, we want to judge because we don't want to judge in a godly way because in the manner that we judge, the Bible says we're going to be judged. However, not only is there sin that is petty, but there's also sin that is severe. One more thing before we get into severe sin. Look at verse 18. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while he treads the grain and a laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, I'm glad this verse is here. 
because there are those in some denominations that believe that pastors should not be paid. They believe that if you're pastoring a church, then you shouldn't be paid. Uh, you should get a group of guys together that are working other jobs and these guys should share in it. You should never have a guy paid. But this passage says, a labor is worthy of his hire and it's good to pay your pastors. Now, how much should a pastor be paid? That's the question. There are some church boards, those that determine the pay of a pastor, that take a vow of poverty for their pastor. I don't have a problem with the pastor taking a vow of poverty if he wants to do that, but it shouldn't be done for him, all right? There are others that pay their pastors way too much. There are some men, I don't know about in Tucson, but in the United States, that make millions of dollars every year. They pastor churches and they make millions of dollars a year. And they get million dollar bonuses, Christmas bonuses or whatever. That's obviously too much. So there's that which is too little, there's that which is too much, and in the middle, there's a range that is acceptable. I think there will always be people that will think someone gets paid too much, and there's always people that think that a pastor gets paid too little. I like the people who think he gets paid too little. No, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, here's what I think. I think that a pastor should be paid enough that he can be, that he can provide for his family, and he can be generous. He should be able to give to the poor. He should be able to give to ministry. When he goes to lunch with someone, he ought to be able to pay for that guy. Go to lunch and kind of like start reaching for the check slowly. <laughs> oh, you got it? Good. <laughs> or the old, the check comes and you start going. <laughs> oh, you got it? That's great. I think you ought to pay your pastor enough that he can reach out and take the check. I think he ought to be blessing the people that he goes out to. In fact, when I talk to pastors, one of my pet peeves with pastors is that they feel that, that the people in their church owe them to pay for them. I think the pastor ought to pay when he goes out. That's what I think. I think that he ought to be the one to bless them. He's the one that's their servant. They're not his servant. I think that when he goes in, I think when a pastor goes in to do business with somebody from their church, that he ought to pay full price. Um, I've before been doing, you know, somebody at our church says, we want to do this for you for free. And I say, please charge me. Just charge me. I tell them I'm doing okay. I don't need it for free. Please charge me. Then they go, well, we'll give you a discount. All right, I'll take the discount. <laughs> but I still think that you should never seek that. You should never go in. I think a pastor should never say something like, do you have a pastor's discount? I think it should never be said. It should never be done. There should be no such thing as that. But if that's going to be the case, then he has to be paid enough. So you want to be generous with your pastor so that he can be generous. What does that look like? It's going to depend. It's going to depend on the church. You certainly don't want the pastoral salaries to be a drag on the church, but you want it to be enough to where the pastors are generous. So all of those things have to be taken into account. I'm glad that it's here so that those who are getting paid, like myself, don't feel bad about getting paid. The laborer is worthy of his hire. Verse 19 do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. And I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, interesting phrase there, by the way, elect angels, that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Now he says, if there's an accusation against a pastor, let it be by two or three witnesses. And for those who are sinning, this is an unfortunate reality. Sometimes pastors sin. Sometimes they're involved in scandalous sin. I find myself fearfully saying to the Lord, 
Lord, help me to never have anything like that happen in my life. I would, it would devastate me that it would happen, but it happens and it's unfortunate. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.